Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this week's radio podcast, Bread of Life Radio. We're here today in Florida. Myself is Tim Fogarty with Michael Young, and we're studying the book of Exodus, continuing our study in the plagues. And today we're learning about the plagues of hail. Michael, good morning. Good morning to you, Tim, and uh, so good that you're here. Tim's going to be leaving us uh, pretty quickly. He's headed down to Panama. We've got a medical mission that starts uh, on the 25th, Monday the 25th, and he's going down to get everything all ready, get the medicines and the doctors and everything. He's got a good job ahead of him, and he's done a lot in preparation for this. Thank God for Tim, and Tim, I wish I were going to be able to go with you. Yeah, it's been great. Actually, Michael's been doing a lot of the work of that. We got uh, two different medical mission trips going on at the same time, working with our our group of folks in the indigenous uh, group in the coffee plantation and working with Teen Challenge and doing some work there. And then also working in uh, the city of David and working with some churches. Mm-hmm. And um, we had the great honor of our team. They uh, We put a new roof on a church uh, that we are going to be doing the clinic act. And it worked out really well. Thank you for all the people who helped donate to make this possible. So it's uh, it's going to be exciting to go there. Looking forward to it. We'd like to also add that, you know, we don't uh, limit ourselves to just this mission trip or the one that's coming up after this. Uh, we plan mission trips continually. Uh, and it's one of the best things that a church can do is to send a team down. It helps them and helps their church. It changes the fabric of a church when they send teams down. And of course, we love to hear it. And it doesn't just have to be our mission group. Uh, uh, we're the ones talking today because it's our mission. But uh, there are great missions out there in all parts of the world. We happen to be lodged in America, Central America and South America. Uh, but many of them are in Africa. Great missions. Many of them are in Asia. That's wherever God sends you and you have the opportunity and the resources to go. You can be such a blessing to others. And like the Lord says, when you begin to bless others, there's a great blessing you're going to receive. In fact, it'll be multiplied. Every time you give something out, God multiplies and sends it back upon you. There's one group right now, actually, which came birth from one of our mission trips we did in Parada, Colombia a while ago. And the group of people who came to that were so moved by the people with the displaced Venezuelan refugees going on. And we have a daycare center there, and we're working a lot with that church in Parada, Colombia. They're there right now uh, making an additional roof over a common area of the church that had no protection from rain. And we want to uh, take care of more children. And uh, there was no space to do so. But with this new roof on there, we've got a big area now where we can do work with the children. And this all came from just coming on a mission trip. And now a whole church in our area in Florida is uh, all came together and are all down there right now in Parada, Colombia, and they're working on building a roof right now. So you can see how going on one mission trip can become exponential. People get so involved. And that's how I became a missionary is because I was invited to go on a mission trip one time a while ago in Guatemala. And I felt that presence of the Lord there. And I said, this is what God wants me to do. So there's so many cool things you can do when you're on a mission trip. Well, we want to use that as a segue. Uh, Mission trips are important because we are announcing, and no matter what kind of work you do, if it's manual labor, if it's uh, putting a roof on, as we've said, or if it's a vacation Bible school, which is, those are tremendous things. And all of them have one purpose. It's not just to help the people. It certainly helps the people, and uh, but it's really to announce the gospel, isn't it? 
that's our whole purpose is to announce the gospel to a world. And here in Exodus, this seventh plague that we see, the plague of hail, this is about an announcement, and you need to look at it as an announcement. It's a continual. God has been announcing six times already to Pharaoh about grace and mercy. He's actually announcing the evangelism, the gospel message that uh, he has things coming. And that's our job is to announce, isn't it? We are the laborers that Jesus has sent out into the field, go into all the world, he said, making disciples and so forth. As you are going into the world, make disciples, make disciples, teaching them all that you have heard and letting them begin to announce to others so that they'll make other disciples and so forth. So in that first verse, uh, 13 of the seventh plague of hail, it said, the Lord said to Moses, rise up early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh and say to him, thus saith the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. Now, when I read this the first time, I saw where it says, rise up early in the morning. Now, why did he request that he would rise up early in the morning? Well, as you start thinking about it, he wanted Pharaoh to have time. Because there wasn't going to be a whole lot of time, was there? And he said, as soon as you are there in front of Pharaoh, you announce to him, these things are going to happen. You tell him the things that are in front, the good things or the bad things, whatever Pharaoh wants to choose. And you let him know. And so you need to be there early. And it's an idea of diligence. So we Christians need to be diligent, announcing, you know, very early when, when a person can hear. When it's not convenient for him to hear, he still needs to hear because he has to give an account for him hearing and the action that he takes on this. And we're going to see down there that there are going to be two reactions, aren't there? Uh, first, the announcement that he makes, he says, this is going to be something that has never happened in Egypt before. From the foundation of Egypt, you have never had a plague like this plague that I'm going to bring on you now. And uh, so the Egyptians in their mindset they had seen hail. This is the plague of hail. But in their mindset, they had had hail, but it was just tiny little granules of hail that really didn't do anything. And this was a time when all their cattle, because it was early spring and the plants were up and so forth, and there was a lot of uh, uh, things for the uh, animals to eat. And so the cattle were out into the field. Uh, in the pasture and they were eating and so forth and so the natural thing to do was when he says it's going to have i'm going to send hell on you they thought well this little hell it never thunders and we never really have lightning and we never really have much in the way of hell so that was in the back of their mind is that all that's going to happen well we can withstand that but others thought well this god that has done tremendous things and so there was a crisis of belief one either believed the word that it was going to be something that had never happened to this death before, or one believed oh, it's just going to be maybe a little worse, but a whole lot worse than what we see year after year after year. And that's what we sometimes think as people today. What's it going to be like when God comes back? 
uh, maybe it's just going to be, oh, you know, the threats between one nation and another nation, you know, uh, they're threatening an armed attack, a military attack or so forth. And we think, well, it's just going to be that. And we've weathered all those things before. The earth has always come through, always stood. But believe me, it's going to be like this hailstorm. There's nothing been like that before. It's going to be total devastation. And we're talking about not just a few people or a few million people, but millions and millions and millions of people that are going to be lost. And that's why Moses had to go early, early in the morning and announce Pharaoh. Get ready, Pharaoh. Get ready. And you can see that this uh, hailstorm, it uses a, a, a word uh, that is really particular uh, in, in in this verse uh, that, let's see if it's in the English as well as it is in the Spanish. I've got my Bible on the Spanish verse. And it talks about fire mixed with, uh, uh, with that. In other words, lightning, it talks about lightning going to be mixed and in that, in that odd, in verse 23, it says, Then Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven. The Lord sent thunder, hail, and fire ran down to the earth. And the Lord rained fire, hail, upon the land of Egypt. And this, there was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail. Now think about that. When it talks about the fire flashing, that's the best we can translate because we don't really know what the Lord was doing and how he was doing it. But it's almost like lightning would strike down in the midst of it, but it, didn't, it would begin to roll and other lightning strikes would begin to join themselves with the first and you would have a rolling fire within the midst of this hill. And so when it struck, not only did you have the weight of the hail that would destroy people, but you had this raging fire that was in, uh, that would bring instant death and instant suffering to everything that it touched on. And so, uh, you, know, you know, that's going to be supernatural. That's not just something that some meteorologist could say, well, today we're going to have a little hail and uh, unfortunately there's going to be some fire inside of it because we've never seen anything like that. And Egypt had neither. They hadn't seen this devastation. And this was announced to Pharaoh. And one of the things it did on this, God said in there <clears throat> that uh, he could have destroyed Pharaoh a long time before that. Uh, but this one was going to touch Pharaoh in the heart. Remember, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, wasn't it, Tim? Yep. And this is and this is one of the verses, the first time we see Pharaoh actually saying, please stop the hail. We are sinners. We are bad people. My people are bad. I'm basically saying he's apologizing, but it was a fake apology. He didn't mean it. But it, this is the first time we see in the plagues where Pharaoh actually says, we have sinned against God. Please stop this. This is the first time. And one other analogy quickly to say is, this is an interesting story uh, in itself. It's very similar to the Noah story in Noah's Ark because same thing was going on and uh, Noah was instructed way on early that he had to uh, build a boat and that the world's going to be destroyed. And he was, everybody thought he was crazy and uh, and didn't take him for, didn't talk, took him for granted. And, and what, what happened, the earth was wiped out. And this is a similar situation, which Michael probably talk about in Ex uh, Exodus with Revelation of what's going to happen in the end times where there's going to be mass destruction on the earth and there's going to be a new heaven and new earth. But before that happens, there's going to be a lot of really bad stuff where fire and 
earthquakes and floods and disaster and people are going to be killed and uh, that's going to be a big thing so you see a lot going on here with the analogies between noah and revelation and what's going on with pharaoh and while these plagues seem to be disasters and seem to be punishments which they certainly were but remember moses is telling pharaoh and god is telling moses i'm doing this i could have wiped you out immediately just taking your life, taking the Nile and just eliminated Egypt as a nation completely at the very beginning, if I'd wanted to do that. But I have a purpose in bringing these plagues against you and not destroying you completely in order that people might know that I am God and that I have a place of safety for you. And if you rebel against me, you'll suffer these plagues and it'll be even worse than these plagues. But if you listen to me, if you pay attention, as Tim said, he used the, and you could have used not just Noah and his art, but you could have used any of the things, uh, uh, the fall of Jericho is one of my favorites as well. But it's the same thing. You can imagine Rehab saying, come into the building, come into the building, which is a picture of the church, and you'll be saved. But you stay out there, you're going to die. And Noah's yelling, come into the ark, come into the ark. You can be saved if you're in the ark. But once that door closes, man, you're dead. There's no safety. There's nothing you can do. So today, God is announcing to you and I, come into the ark. Come into the building. Come into the place where God is. Everybody that comes in is saved. Everybody that refuses to come in is lost. And we see down there that there are two people, two types of people at the end of this story. Um, those that paid attention to what was going on and those that said, ah, it's just going to be like, you know, that little bitty hill that we've had before and we don't need to take a chance on it or we can take a chance on it. Leave the servants and leave the animals out in the field. And for them, it was too late. They lost everything. But others paid attention. And what do we call that? What well, we call it faith, don't we? They believed they place faith in the word of the Lord. And that's what we have to do to be saved. When somebody preaches, you've got to have faith. What's the saying, Tim? You have to have faith. Without faith, uh, it's not through works. And uh, without faith is the whole key of the whole process of being a Christian is believing what you can't see. And believing on the Lord will save us and, and protect us and keep us safe. And believe the word of the Lord. What's announced to you? Believe that word. Mm -hmm. And uh, believing doesn't mean that you hear it and say, yeah, that's that's true. Believing means you've got cows out in the field and you send, hey, come on in, bring the cows in. I'm going to take action on what I've heard. And that's what they did. Um, those that uh, believed, heard, and they believed, they brought the cows in, the servants in, and they brought them into the house. And that into the house is going to be something we see all through the Bible. You know, Jesus said, bring them into the house, into my house, into the temple, into the place of safety, into the ark, into the place where uh, this thing going on outside won't destroy them. You bring them into the house. And that word in, uh, in Greek is, uh, it means a home. Uh, not just a house, not just a structure, but a place where they're loved and where a family is and where everything is together. Uh, it's a word, okos, and I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but uh, it's a great word that means the family situation. You bring them into my family situation and they can be saved. But you leave them out in the field, 
your servants, your herd, they're going to be destroyed. And that's exactly what's going to happen. Another quick analogy. on um, It's sort of like when you first hear the gospel for the first time and uh, your life has changed and you accept the Lord as your personal savior. And everywhere I go, it's important to once you hear the mm -hmm. message and you accept the word of Lord, the, the word of God in your heart. If you don't do anything about it and don't continue to study God's word or go to a church that can help you learn more about it, then you're going to be lost like the people in the fields, the people out there are going to be lost. And then you're going to go, may possibly go back to the way you were living before. It's really important to be a part of a part of something and continue to grow your faith as you know, to come to know the Lord. And, and what easily happen is that people could say a word in church and think there's that God is saved them but they continue to live the life that they are living they're lost they're living in a lost world and the world is lost right now and that's why it's so important to be grounded in, in faith grounded in the word of god that you will you'll be protected so we're protected on earth even though there's so many bad things going on right now around us and so many prophetic things are happening right now but we are protected by god because of our faith and so today as you hear this uh, i know you have already had put into your mind, into the back of your mind, boy, there's a great similarity between what happens in the book of Exodus and what happens in the book of Revelation, because they're the same. Absolutely. They're both telling about what God is going to do, uh, about the discrimination, again, the persecution that arises in that last day, about the evil kingdom about this person we call Pharaoh in Exodus and Revelation. He's called the Antichrist, isn't he? And he's got his kingdom, just as Pharaoh had the kingdom of Egypt. And God's kingdom is coming in and saying, I'm going to destroy this kingdom. Satan, your kingdom is gone. The gates of hell cannot withstand the power of God. And they won't fall flat down. And that kingdom will be destroyed. And so we see the similarity way back in Exodus of God is telling us uh, what he's going to do. And of course, the end of this is when Pharaoh, as we will see in weeks ahead, is that Pharaoh is finally going to chase uh, Egypt, Israel out. And they come to the Red Sea and the parting of the Red Sea. And Israel is able to pass through on foot. And Pharaoh and his armies stretch out and come running after him. And the sea closes over them and it destroys them completely. Now, you see that same thing happening in Apocalypse, in the book of Revelation, don't you? Because there in the book of Revelation, we see that there is that final rebellion when they bring Gog and Magog. Satan stirs them up after a thousand years that he's been tied up and cast into uh, uh, the abyss. And he's allowed out and he deceives the nation and they came up against it. And finally, Satan himself is thrown into the lake of fire. And so, see, well, you've got two different types of lakes. One's the Red Sea. It's a water sea. And the other is a lake of fire. And uh, But they're both lakes, aren't they? Both do the same thing. And it signifies, just like in Pharaoh, everybody was drowned. There was no more, no more threat, no more anything that happened. And there in Revelation, when it talks about Satan, that's it. There's no more Satan. There's no more destruction. He cannot any longer deceive any of the nations. He can no longer be part of the nation. 
his reign is over, his kingdom's over, everything comes to an end. And uh, I like when it talks about in Revelation 20, it talks about the great throne, white throne judgment, if you remember. And in that great white throne judgment, all the dead are brought up. And part of that, it says, and death and hell gave up the dead that were in them. A lot of times people confuse hell and the lake of fire, but they're two different things. And I know I'm moving a little bit off subject today uh, in, in the Granizo or the hailstorm that taken. But but remember, death and hell were thrown into the lake of fire and there was no more possibility of hell, no more possibility of death because they're destroyed. And so if you come into the house, as we talked about, if you and your herds and your servants and your families, if you come into the house of God, you don't have to face that. But everybody whose name was not written in the book, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Think of yourself as being one of Pharaoh's soldiers. You're going to die in the Red Sea because you're his soldier. You're going to follow him. And you can convince that as loyalty and so forth. And you swore pledge and so forth. But the smart person is the one that says, wait a second. I'm serving somebody that's evil. I'm serving somebody that's, this is not right. I need to change sides. I need to listen to the promise of the Lord. And then they take uh, those people out. And what happens to Israel? Well, they're taken to the promised land. So after that last great destruction, where do the people of God come to? Where are they ultimate? What is the ultimate uh, uh, sanctuary? Well, it's the land of promise, right? the promised land and for Israel it was uh, that nation that we find today where they are today the promised land for them uh, but the promised land for us is the kingdom of God the personal God and it it has nothing that we can think about in this world it's a, a transformed heaven and a transformed earth more marvelous than we can ever believe and the most marvelous thing about it is not that the, the rain comes at the proper time and everything is just perfect in temperature and everything. That's not it. Or that there'll be perfect healing. The greatest thing about it is the presence of God is going to be there. And you're always going to be in his presence. And when you're in the presence of God, there's nothing better than that. Well, brothers and sisters, Tim, do you have anything to add before we close? Our time's just about up today. Yeah, it was great. Great analogies, great stories. And and uh, the great thing about it is we have a Bible. We have the book. We have the roadmap of what the future is going to be ahead of time. The In the Old Testament we're reading now, they didn't have the, they didn't have the New Testament and they didn't have Revelation. Uh, they had a lot of prophecy and a lot of them ignored it. And a lot of us ignore it because we think we have plenty of time. Oh, I'll come to God later. I want to live my life because I want to live life to the fullest. And this God person, this Jesus guy, I'm going to wait till later. I don't, I have plenty of time. You never know what tomorrow is going to bring. You don't know what anything's going to happen to tomorrow. We need to be ready now. Like we talked about in the story, being ready early in the morning to give us a, give Pharaoh a chance to try to change his ways. Same thing for us. We got to be ready. We already know what's going to happen in the future. We talked about in Revelation. We see what happened in the past. We know the future already. It's already been told to us. And everything in the Bible is true. So we need to be ready and get ready today. Well, Tim, why don't you go ahead and lead us in prayer as we close out. Lord, thank we'll you. We'll see you next week. Yes, thank you, Lord, uh, for this time. Thank you for this Bible study as we continue to learn about the different plagues. And help us to learn yeah. from the past. Yeah. Help us to learn that what's happened in the future. 
and help us get ready to know the Lord and to share this gospel message to everyone we know. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.